Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. Now, our topic today will be gender identity, gender expression, and biological sex. I want to start off by saying there really is no scientific evidence that DNA or the genome has a gene to make you gay. What I mean by gay is a man having sex with men and women with women, whether in a monogamous relationship or not. So when the Bible speaks in terms like God made he male and female, this was crucial to God's sovereign purpose for life here on earth. We can physically see the difference between males and females when it comes to identity, behaviors, and expressions. Also, that God from the very beginning wanted to reproduce humans on earth from a man and a woman. Even evolution would naturally favor heterosexuality, sexuality orinated to persons of the opposite sex. That reproduction is a prerequisite for evolving. Without a man and a woman, we would come to extinction, non-existence. If we were to look in the Bible, nowhere do we find God making acceptable grounds for male and male or female to female relationships. When a person comes into the world, it takes a sperm and an egg. We know that men produce male gametes and women produce female gametes. And there are no intermediate types of gametes. Therefore, biological sex is binary. There is no middle person. When we talk about students who have gender dysphoria from ages maybe 5 to 16 years old, a study showed of 246 of those students who were at the start of transitioning to another sex, male or female, out of the 246, 207 of them realized they were comfortable with their biological sex. You see, studies show 80% of all gender dysphoria students or kids grow and become comfortable with their sex. That's 80%. Let me ask you a question. If 80% of these students will grow to be comfortable with their sex, then why in the world would we legislate to put you in jail for counseling these young students? Does that make sense to you? You see, there are states like in California, it is illegal to counsel a minor for unwanted same-sex attraction. Like the California ban therapy for minors struggling with same-sex attraction as of January 1st, 2013. Mental health practitioners are prohibited from performing sexual orientation change efforts known as reparative or conversion therapy for anyone under 18 years old. And yet we know 80%, think about that, 80% isn't a go. They're the ones that were just discomfort, dysphoria, confused, and grew out of that. So let's say you are a 15-year-old sexually abused young boy at about the age 6, And so you are now 15 years old, and maybe it was mental abuse. 
So you're struggling now with same-sex identity. This happened when you were six years old. You don't know why you're struggling. You want to marry a woman and have children, yet you cannot be counseled by counselors or psychologists to figure out just maybe something else is going on, or maybe you're that 80% who will grow out of your dilemma. You see, they violate your religious beliefs. They violate your own preferences. You want to get to the root of how you feel and make sense of it with professional therapy as a 50-year-old. But even if the parents support it and the minor wants counseling, it is illegal. In comparison, you get a 7-year-old girl with two lesbian moms that says you feel like a boy trapped in a girl's body. They take them to a psychologist who responds by telling the child to dress accordingly. Then she's given hormone blockers to stop puberty. Then when they will begin a transition, the girl from hormones to cross-sex hormones, and then to reconstruction or sex reassignment surgery with the breast and genitalia. That's legal, and that's okay. Even though at that age, we're talking about seven years old here, that the time they start giving her these things at 13 years old, that she just might be one of those people, that 80%. And now there's no way back because we don't know what these medications, what these pills, what these hormones, what these blockers are actually going to do, let alone the reassignment surgery. You see, someone who is a student can have sex, have an abortion with no parental involvement required for underage teens. And yet, the political activist agenda is not to do what is right and good for these students, but to be extreme in their position, no matter the consequences. We need to understand just because the majority says it's okay for abortions does not make it right. This is called the appeal to authority, that just because doctors or professors or lawmakers say something is okay, that you're going to start thinking that it's okay. And then they put laws in place to deem you doing something wrong if you try something. It's also appeal to the populace. The study of science to validate claims of gayness has been canceled by the cancel culture. I mean, you can lose your jobs, lose your grants, be misrepresented. We are in a sad state of affairs. Some science facts. There is no gene for gayness. We know they found five genetic markers. These markers have to do with smell and baldness. But we know not every bald man is gay and not every gay man is bald. So out of the 500,000 people who had at least one encounter with the same sex. These markers are there. Now, they don't know what these markers actually do about gayness, but they see them there. These markers do not have the power to protect the sexuality of an individual. As a matter of fact, the people who contribute their genetic and health information to the databases are predominantly of European ancestries. And their age was on the older side. This does make a difference. Not all participants identified as gay. They were predominantly European descendants. I would have liked to have seen people from other countries. The majority were old people. But Ghana 
the physicist cautions that these SNPs or markers can't be used to predict sexual preferences in any individual because no single gene has a large enough effect on sexual behaviors. Although the researchers have identified some of these snipes, snaps, or markers involved in same-sex sexual behavior, they aren't sure what the genetic variants do. The study was done by Andrea Ghana, a geneticist. So let's talk about identity. How you feel is always the question the culture will ask you. This is why most of you will have a conversation and you start off the sentence with, I feel like the book was trying to say, I feel like the reason it changed. But we will consider what does the Bible have to say about feelings. Let's make sure we have a few definitions down of the LGBTQ. For instance, your biological sex is you were born either male or female. Of course, we got 1% of intersex, and we will talk about that on another episode. Gender identity. Gender identity is how you feel about your gender. Your internal sense is asking, do I feel like a woman, a man, or a person out of the binary of male and female? They call this a spectrum. You could feel 60% male and 40% female one day, and maybe the next year, something different. And then you have gender expression, how you feel about your outward appearance, your mannerisms, your hairstyle, your dress, your makeup. Do you like sewing? Do you like sports? Are you masculine or do you feel feminine? 95 to 92% of all people in the United States are cisgender. And we need to remember that. Those whose gender identity correlates with the sex they were assigned at birth. And this is very important. Some things to note. Every young adult needs to recognize the culture and fads will appeal to your emotions, appeal to your senses. Every one of you will be pressured by your friends, peers, teachers, and professors. You want to fit in to a world that says everything is relative and the social constructs made you believe in male and female. Your thoughts will be consumed of maybes or possibilities. Maybe I like the same sex. Maybe I want to try something different. I did have a thought, maybe an image, a dream, a closeness that felt peculiar. You must know this is normal, especially for someone young. Adults become very emotional about love, relationships, a need to feel wanted, a need to express themselves. Most of us learn to control our appetite when it comes to desire and lust. You see, desire and lust ultimately brings feelings. Although many of us fall into traps that consume us, hold us down, and put us into shackles without us knowing. It could be relationships. I think I'm in love. Do I want to have sex? How about drugs or alcohol? Although you are surrounded by an agenda of the LGBTQ, stay with us as we go into the second half. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we'll see you on the next half. Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school 
to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85 percent of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. How you doing? I'm glad you're here for the second part. This is Throughout All Ages with 1530 Apologetics. And we're talking about sex, gender, your identity, and the biological sex. Although you are surrounded by an agenda of the LGBTQ through your TV screen, through the music, social media, Snapchat, TikTok, the church, and all your schools, you need to remember 95% of us are cisgender. We are fine with our biological sex at birth, and we are defined as heterosexuals. Our relationship will be with the opposite sex, and we're okay. This is a battle the world has decided to throw on your backs. The young ones, the young adults, the young students, the young child, the kids, those who are vulnerable. This is a battle the world has decided to throw on your backs. The young, the young adults, the kids, the children, the vulnerable, the emotional. Those of you who stand tall, those of you who are Christians will be on the right side of history. If you are a Christian today, your starting point must be God and the Bible. There are many in the church who are willing to change God's word or stretch out definitions just to justify how they feel. You see, when God speaks of marriage, it is always between male and female in the Bible. When we read the Ten Commandments, it talks only about a man and a woman. When the Bible talks about sacred relationships, it is always about a man and a woman. As a matter of fact, when it does talk about man laying with man and woman with woman relations, it's always found to be negative, called out as wrong, and sin. I want you to listen to this verse. It tells us in First Thessalonians 4 verses 1 to 5, it says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So first Paul is saying, we came and you received from us what the Lord Jesus said about how you ought to walk in your life, how you ought to live, and how it would be pleasing to God. For you to know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. When we look at that word sanctification, Sanctification means to be set apart in purification, in purity, to walk proper among the world. And this is only taking place as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are setting you apart every day to be more pure to be more holy. And so Paul is saying this, your sanctification. And then he goes on to say that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That word sexual immorality, the word immorality in the Greek is pornea. This is where we get 
porn from. What the Bible is saying to abstain from sexual porn. Pornia is anything, any type of sexual play outside of marriage between a man and a woman. This is called fornication. Sexual acts of men lying with men, women with women, older men with young boys and girls, pedophilia, also sex outside of marriage. That each of you should know how to possess, it goes on to say in the verse, that you should know how to possess your own vessel, your own body, your own mind, in sanctification, in setting apart and honor, and not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. The Gentiles are anyone that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To not be like them in the passions of lust. What does the Bible have to say about lust or desire? That is ultimately a feeling. You see, not all lusts, not all desires, not all feelings are bad, right? We see in Galatians 5.16, it reads, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So here the Bible says there's a war going on against the flesh and the spirit. And as sexual immorality is part of the flesh, it wants to interrupt your relationship and the spirit, and it's warring against your spirit. But Paul goes on to say to abstain from sexual immorality. So how do we abstain from lust or desire? Do you realize it starts with the mind? The mind brings feelings. The feelings brings a desire or lust. That's why it tells us in James 1.14, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust, desire. That when lust has conceived, so it talks about this lust that is a seed that begins to grow. And when it conceives, it brings birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so we can see this with pornea, sexual immorality. That you begin to think and it begins to conceive and it begins to bring forth birth and it gets bigger and bigger within your mind and your feeling and your attitudes. But it goes on to say, abstain from the actions of lust or desire of sexual immorality. Abstain from the abstain from our minds. You see, this is where it is conceived or gives birth. The thought patterns of lust and desire brings feelings that are against the things of God. But you must remember, 95% of you students, accordingly to the worldly statistics, you're fine. There is no reason for you to become confused or dysphoria. This is the 5%. The temptation would be to dabble into the area, right? How does it feel like? I wonder if I just try it one time. The Bible says Eve said it was pleasant to the eyes that she began to look at it. She began to think about this fruit. She started thinking about it. And he said, did God really say? And a lot of us begin to say that, especially the young student. Did God really say that a relationship is only between a man and a woman? 
Know that 95% of us are okay, but most of you will just get caught up because you believe the hype and acted upon it. With that comes consequences. Let me tell you a story. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kyra Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. And she ended up getting these puberty blockers, then cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is very insightful. From decisions from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe that it was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected. According to God, desire less uncontrolled leads to a systematic life of feelings that cannot be fulfilled especially if there are no boundaries. Pretty soon, the man says pedophilia is okay. It brings them arousal and gratification. Pretty soon, bestiality will be okay. Then rape. There are those people who have their hands or feet on their side of their body and want to just cut it off. They have this dysphoria. If they could just cut it off and get rid of it, they would be okay. That's what they're thinking in their confusion. My question is, would it be good for the medical community to let them go with their feelings and because they are suffering so much let's just reconstruct and cut off the arm this is the way the world wants you to think fixing the symptom instead of the cause the bible says how you feel about your identity might be a predisposition meaning it might be your affection your affinity your aptitude you might be bent or biased towards your predisposition of your feelings and how you're feeling. But it's not predetermined. Predetermined is the will of man to choose which way they must go. Now, those who have a real dysphoria of who they are, whether a boy or a girl, whether they are attracted to the same sex, is a battle and they need help. It's confusion. I need to be real and clear here. Young students and children are so vulnerable to be influenced by the brokenness of the world. This is why as Christians, we prolong the day when they will be talking to their friends at school about their romantic weekend with a boy or a girl, or how they stole their mom's liquor and drank it when the parents left out of town. How they hid their boyfriend from their parents, smoking with the girls out in the park. And now this generation must hear how their best friend is experiencing with same sex. And many will hear how other churches affirm this behavior. The balance of this tightrope is difficult. And although students need to learn to deal with the world and make decisions, the church needs to give an answer for how we deal with loving our neighbor and watching over the church of God. We need to be compassionate with the person or a young man dealing with issues he does not understand. Why would God let this come about, he would say. At the same time, to be diligent. There are times an individual, a church, needs to run from sin. Desire, lust, and feelings can make any man weak. 
When it comes to the church, the assembly, we must recognize the Bible tells us how to respond. All are welcome to come in, but the assembly must be watched over and cared for. When it comes to taking advantage over the women, when dating becomes a different person every few months, to talking about wanting to get high on drugs and inviting others from the church, to be gossiping over and over again, to bring in the culture of the world, to confuse the church, and etc. These are all symptoms that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual immoral people, right? Immoral, pornea, people who have sex outside of marriage. It doesn't matter what it is. But then he goes on to say, yet certainly I did not mean with the sexual immoral people of the world or with the covetousness, the extortioners, the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So he makes this distinction. The worldly people know who they are. We know who they are. You need to go out and become uh, a missionary, a friend to them. Love your neighbor, but also be careful. But he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 5.10, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexual and moral. So whoever is practicing pornea, don't be company with them, or a covetous, or an adulterer, or a reviler, or a drunkard, not even to eat with such a person. What a distinction. And then it tells us in 1 Peter 5, the shepherd is the flock, is to feed the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And so the leader is called to watch over the assembly. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. We'll see you next week. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K Praise.